0: Welcome to episode seven of Vsoup, the audio-only virtualization podcast that keeps its head out of the clouds. Joining myself, Ed, and Christian is the king of sweater vests and the co-instigator of VM Underground. When his domain name is paid for, he also blogs at Sean Clark US. Welcome to Sean. How are you doing? Hi,
1: I'm I'm doing really well. Thanks for uh, for the 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 intro here. Um, it's a uh, springtime in in Bloomington, Normal, uh, Illinois. So a good day.
2: Still below nice. zero uh, temperatures there.
1: No, I'm out in shorts and a, and a not, not, not a, a sweater vest. I <laughs> actually just a just a Hawaiian sweater vest, a sweatshirt a hoodie, <laughs> and, a, and a beer cleaning out the garage earlier. So
2: casual uh, Friday sweater vest.
1: That's right. <laughs> Speaking of sweater vest, I saw the ultimate combination this week. I saw an argyle sweater vest with a checkered cool. long sleeve shirt underneath. And oh, I tell you, you know. what, the guy was the guy was wearing it with uh, some authority. You, you've, you've got to rock an outfit like that with some
0: serious authority,
1: really.
2: Well, you have to be confident just to wear something like that. And Teaming he was. up with
0: some Crocs, and you're unstoppable.
2: <laughs> <Right>?
1: <laughs> but no, I'm glad to be on the V Soup. I, I did catch one episode. Um, I'm very busy with uh, family. I got four kids here, and. Uh, they're getting into sports and whatnot, but um, I did catch the last v soup, so I kind of have an idea what I'm getting into so um' I'm, I'm excited to be here
0: excellent oh, it's great to have you on the uh on the show I and mean, i think I sort of caught up with some of the stuff you did at um at the last tech field day um and you know definitely definitely archive people. And uh, so, yeah. Have you seen that they've got uh, the the wild, wireless tech field days on as so we speak? Seems like uh, more of, more of the same from uh, from San Jose. It's uh, all looking fun. It's all a bit networky for my liking this time, but uh, I suppose it must be quite interesting to to go to it when it's not necessarily a, a subject that is your your prime focus. Because uh, I know they, they they generally have people who are uh, focused on that particular one, but. Sometimes the odd token networking guy at the server event, and vice versa. And I right. think they get. It's a bit more of a challenge for them to get stuff out of it, but I think they probably get more out of it than the other people.
1: Right, we had um, we had um, three network guys, I think, the last time, and uh, uh, you know they're they're pretty good. And then and then you start talking about doing crazy things like natting IP uh, version four to IP six, and and it's a holy war that breaks out. It's it's really fun <laughs> to get their blood going. They'll get a bit red-faced about it. (laughs) Right. And we had backup guys too, you know, that, you know, really all they care about is backup and not, not to paint Preston into a corner, but, um, uh, yeah, that, it was a great event and I wish I had more time to catch up on the wireless. Maybe after I'm done here, I'll be able to catch some of the video. Um, as, as, um, I, I consult for my, uh, my kids' school and I just, I volunteer time and they're looking at putting a wireless network in, so I'd be really interested to see if there's something there that could help a novice wireless guy like myself. So
0: Yeah, wireless does seem to have, uh, have gone a, a long way since I remember playing around with you know some some very elderly access points and PCMCIA laptop cards and wondering why it wouldn't go more than about 8 foot. Um, there's some, right. some pretty cool stuff they're doing these days. No,
1: but yeah, just in general, uh, you know, tech field day, uh, the work that Stephen Foskett has done with that has been amazing and it's, you know, I used to poo-poo it when I wasn't going, right? And I'm like, hey, who are these elite, you know, bastards that I get to go to tech field day? I, I don't get to go, so I don't care. Well, it's a little different when you get invited and I'm like, wow, that's cool. And, you know, I think if you, if you're interested enough in this technology and, and you have a, a blog or a social media presence, um, you know, eventually you might get a chance to go and, you know, I, I'd recommend it to anyone that does have the opportunity. It's, it's cool what he's doing. Um, Kind of taking the the money out of taking the money out of uh, it marketing right and and giving a kind of a, a mainline feed to uh, the community and I, I think I think that's pretty neat.
2: I wonder if there's any plans to do a Europe one. <laughs>
1: uh, I think I, I think Soup could start it up maybe.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I, I Stephen has mentioned that he would like to do something in Europe, but I'm, I'm guessing it's a case of you know the advantage of holding it in San Jose is that you've got everything you need on your doorstep. Um, trying to find a similar sort of concentration of places might be a little bit harder in the UK, um, but nevertheless, uh, it's, it's probably possible. Um, so I'm sure if, if, if they do it, i would be more than happy to help out. Um, and cause I know he's really keen on on getting sort of you know not uh, not just all people from the states. Uh, the you know the cost of travel makes makes for quite a big big hike in it. So I know budget is limited, uh, and it is run essentially you know for not a loss of profit. It it pays pays a, a wage, and I think I don't begrudge uh, Stephen that at all. He he works very hard for it, and him and Claire really really push themselves to the bone for it, uh, and it, it pays off. But um, actually, one of the, one of the things that I really remember from uh, the last one was the uh, the bacon episode with <laughs> with <Zangati. laughs> because yeah, uh, that the uh, last tech field day. I spoke with the Zangati guys about what I felt would make a good presentation, um, because they they were concerned that you know, they they'd seen quite how. If a, uh, a vendor's presentation isn't going well, quite how much they get hauled over the coals on Twitter. And uh, I think that you know, I, they they realised exactly what they needed to pitch at, and I thought they pitched fantastically. Um, that you know, they got the level right just for Tech Field Day. It's probably not the level they would do for a lot of their client presentations or anything else, but for Tech Field Day, I thought they had it absolutely spot on.
1: I thought they did too. I'm a big fan of Zangardi and, and tools like that. Um the you know, given yeah, just the technology is one thing, right? But the the presentation, which is what you're talking about, Chris is they hit it right on the head, right? Um they, they they're they're involved with social media. They're they're listening to what's going on, they're feeling the pulse and they're like, "Hey, we have an opportunity here to capitalize on bacon." And chocolate covered yeah, espresso just- <laughs> beans, right? <laughs> <I'm> like, wow! <laughs>
0: bacon and caffeine as a service. What more do you want?
1: I tell you what. I mean, bacon is highly underrated as, as a you know an appetizer. People should use it and serve it more often. But um, they they did. They they knew exactly what the audience needed at the time. Um, outside of bacon, right? And they they dove <laughs> they dove pretty deep into the tech. And I wish yeah. I'd like to go deeper just to see what what what's in there. But they, they did a pretty good job.
2: Feeding, Excellent. A, feeding a bunch of fat IT guys bacon. Yeah,
3: like we, that's right. <laughs> that's
2: I, I, I've right. heard
3: that everything gets better with, with bacon. I, I I wasn't sure that applied to software as well, but hey, what do you know?
0: <laughs> I'm not sure. Well, that, yeah, everything is improved with bacon. This is I've got yeah. I've got a theory about this, and uh, hear me out on it. Every, every, like everyone Uh-oh. likes cherry, you know, cherry coke. It's an improvement on regular Coke, and things with cherry work well. So, my theory is you take a cherry pie and you add a layer of bacon in it between between the cherry and the and the, the bottom of the pie crust, a layer of bacon. That is the ultimate cherry pie, in my opinion. If you, you heard you it died, it will be. Ah, uh, you can hold it down. <laughs>
1: uh, and the best the best pie crust comes from uh, rendered lard, right? So, mm-hmm. bacon
3: fat, basically. <laughs> You just remove the cherries, then. No
0: no, 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 you need the cherries.
3: I don't need it in the cherry Coke, at least, because that stuff's disgusting. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: from, from, from cherries to databases, we we move almost seamlessly. You, you'd hardly <laughs> notice it. Um, but Sean, uh, Ed, and myself had quite a long conversation last uh, during the week about um, SQL and the fights with uh, specifically with DBAs about persuading a DBA um, to you know to virtualize their servers. And as a former DBA, I, I understand your pain. Uh, it's it's a role where you get a lot of people that don't like change. It's you know people are very very established and. Their, their procedures were very good you might say with with one one hand um, but stuck in the past you might say with another hand so um yeah but just sort of op- open that one up to uh, to the guys about uh, best best way of uh, virtualizing your uh, tier 1 databases
3: don't tell anyone
0: <laughs> ignorance is bliss just yeah. hide that hide the VMware. don't tools let the DBs know
2: like, oh, no. Yeah, the problem is is I kind of came I came from originally from a storage background. So uh, before I even touched a hypervisor, I was laying out uh, databases and stuff like that. And the problem is is I still kind of go with the old school way of split your logs and your data files up. Cuz yeah. I've, I've seen a lot of uh, a lot of related issues and it, if you don't you you cannot tell the DBA, but if a problem arises And um, something happens, there. There becomes that "I told you so" moment, even if that isn't the root cause.
0: Yeah, there's nothing wrong with splitting logs and databases up. You can put, you know, by you should definitely put them on different volumes and separate those volumes out with different virtual SCSI controllers. But uh, if you've got a um, a storage array like an IBM XIV that has one SLI, and according to IBM, it's the best. you know putting it onto a different a separate volume makes no difference um, you 're not going to get any benefit and the only way that I think you can do it is taking the time to almost bake off you know run a a SQL performance test against against um, you know one that 's set up with separate separate volumes and one that 's not set up with separate volumes. However, trying to find a representative benchmarking test, I believe there's one on the lab, VMware Labs fling. They reckon they've got like an I/O IO profile. I think that's the one, which is yeah. pa- apparently the closest you can get to a SQL Server going nuts because SQL Server I/O doesn't it doesn't push it hard enough, apparently.
2: I've had a lot of luck with one called DB Hammer.
0: Okay, huh. yeah. let's try that. You reckon that's a really good I/O load generator?
2: Um, it, it really loads, it really loads an SQL server, especially.
0: Oh, okay. Is, 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 is that a freeware one or is it? Cause I know some of these benchmarking tools are surprisingly expensive. Yeah. It's there's freeware. a, there's a quest one, which obviously not only do you get phoned every eight seconds by quest, um, but it's, it's not cheap.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's freeware. Um, i we can put a link up to it on the, on the page when we publish here. Yep.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. that will be great. Um, because, yeah, just trying to you know persuade them that one way is going to be better or indeed worse than another uh is is half the battle
1: well, I think that's the biggest key right is it it's an education and it's uh you know what what are they responsible for you know at the end of the day in a large organization if you're the d b a um, you could you could care less about the efficiency of the storage team or the vmware team right or the or the and maybe you care about the overall bottom line, but when when it's you know your butt on the line when when that application doesn't perform or when you lose maybe a single or when you lose a, a, enough hard drives in a in a SAN right to cause a failure, yep. Um, you know it, it comes back on them first, right? Well, so I can kind of understand that, but at at some point, <clears throat> you know, you, you need to be able to to. To get outside of your silo get your head up and and you know look and see that there are other people doing things within your IT organization and and you know maybe they have a a different way to skin my cat maybe they have some new technology I should be looking at and that there's nothing to be scared of but um so then that the onus then comes on us as you know virtualization professionals or storage professionals I think to be able to communicate that in the right way and you know, sometimes I feel like I have pretty good tact when I'm when I'm talking with these people, um, with DBAs. But um, I had the pleasure of working with some folks this week that are that they put me to shame. They make me look like a rough. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't know how to put it, but they know how to to put a, a DBA at ease. They know how to communicate in terms that maybe they understand. Um, you know, and I, I think that that helped the situation for us this year was just through good. Good uh, situation or good communication
0: so, so we' talk about sort of almost a it's not quite a salesman's approach because everyone knows that salesmen are lying um, do, you, do you know when they're lying though their lips move most right. of the time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> is that a, is that a common joke? <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's possible but um yeah you know being I don't know quite what sort of approach you need to take do you need you can always take the hard line well this is the only storage you're getting um approach which generally speaking won't work um i'm guessing inviting them to you know let's do some benchmarks let's prove that this is what we can get and even if it's not you want to just set the expectation of performance um which is quite a you know sometimes people will say oh we need this they need a you know a certain level of performance that it has to be Tier One, but not actually knowing what Tier One performance means and what their application actually requires. So that you know, quite often they'll overspecify it. Sometimes they'll underspecify it. They'll f- you'll say, "Oh, this application only got three users." What you don't realise is those three users are shifting multi terabyte images around everywhere, um, and as a result, again, going to cause a lot of uh, I/O problems. So yeah, is, is it more? Is it an evangelist role?
1: I, I think so. I, and <clears throat> to be successful at virtualizing SQL, I mean, you gotta have a couple things on your side. I mean, you gotta have the facts first off. I mean, no matter how good you are at evangelizing and, and selling the case, if you can't back it up with the right performance, you, you know, you're, it's a fast road to nowhere. Um, yeah. Yeah. You're it, only
0: I, as good as your last failure on that one, I think.
1: Right. I, I did a lot of research to kind of, you know, build up my, my arms cache um, before going into some of the meetings this week. And I don't know if you've read about Brent, I think it's Brent Ozar, Brent O. Yeah. He's got a yeah. a great blog on SQL and he tackles, you know, storage and, uh, um, you know, virtualization type concerns that a lot of DBAs have sometimes. And, you know, I can't point to any specific things they said there, but, you know, one of the things I saw in one of the threads was, you know, if you're a DBA, Hasn't benchmarked his app, doesn't know what it requires for I/O, but yet they're complaining about you know putting their putting their virtual disks all on a, a dynamically tiered or yeah some kind of dynamic virtualized SAN, and they're concerned about that. Yeah, they don't really have a leg to stand on. They, they You know, it's just fear that they're talking from. Um, if we can get I down think to facts, when, like
0: a good uh, a pretty good path to, to pursue on that. It's, the
2: sad yeah, part is you could have an untuned um, – a DBA could have a very untuned database that's performing poorly on the storage, and, um, and it's virtualized, and automatically that becomes the blame before the, the app itself is tuned.
0: <coughs> oh, every no time- doubt. No doubt. I, I think sometimes, you know, their v- vendors' guides don't always help. You know, with Microsoft they're saying, well, you probably shouldn't be virtualizing Tier 1 SQL. Um, it doesn't really help our case much.
3: I think that as the virtualization guy, or admin, or evangelist, or whatever, uh, you're going to get your hands dirty with SQL or DBAs. So you're going to get your hands dirty with the networking and storage and everything anyway. Definitely,
0: you've got to break. Down whether those you want servers. to or not, that's how uh, you know. So you, how we you're, be a- you're
3: slowly, slowly turning into the uh, the spider in the middle of the web that everyone needs to uh have relations to in some way uh and you you as the you as the virtualization admin guy you can't really just focus on the virtualization side of it you, you you actually need to be able to as we as we mentioned before communicate with the different other roles in your department or in your company uh to be able to actually uh architect something that works for everyone because it's possible to do that but you need to know who you're talking to, why you're talking to them, and, and what they're trying to get from you to be able to actually uh, architect your infrastructure in a way that every, everyone will be happy with. So you need to be able to talk to everyone anyway.
0: Yeah, uh, that would, uh, I think the, uh, the communication skills required as you know, a, a good virtualization guy are, uh, are much underrated. But, you know, the, yeah, it's so. not just a technological skill set you need. You need to be able to sort of understand people. Does it, how does it vary with Oracle? Um, you know, I my for my sins, my my background was Microsoft SQL, and you know, in comparison, uh, Microsoft SQL DBAs are quite flexible to Oracle ones normally. Um, does it is is it, is it a harder battle? Do you do you set set the bar just that little bit higher? Given that these guys are paying you know one hundred thousand dollars per license, they really really want it to work.
1: I, I guess I might take a hack at that. I I don't from a technical standpoint, it's you know, big, important databases are big, important databases, and, and the, the software underneath doesn't necessarily matter. But you're right. Um, paying for a SQL Server versus, you know, Oracle's um, insane per processor core licensing, you know, methodology, it's, it, it probably does raise the stakes a little bit, a little bit higher. I know that SQL Server, in, in my experience, goes virtual way before Oracle because of that reason because of licensing, so um, I haven't had a, a good opportunity to see some good examples of Oracle being virtualized, really.
0: Yeah, I, I get to see sort of really big Oracle stuff. Uh, like bits, bits and pieces of Oracle I've seen uh, virtualized, but it was only where it was a, a supporting part of an application that needed some bits to run on Oracle. It wasn't a, a large database in any way, shape, size, or form. Um,
2: there was also some support issues where if you called Oracle and they found out your machine was virtualized, they'd say, "Oh, well, you need to go to physical before we'll support you."
3: Yeah, I so hope I sure that's so something if, vendors going to stop doing. Uh, uh, I think I think Oracle fixed that pretty recently, actually. I think I saw something from from VMware on Twitter, probably uh, regarding that that it, it that is indeed supported. Uh, there was something. I'll try to find it for the uh, for the announcement post and, li- and link to it. But there there was some kind of announcement from VMware on yep. Oracle support.
1: Yeah, uh, Chris, Christian, you're right. I think it's it's uh, unfortunately I think it's just for rack. I, I don't think it counts like a standalone Oracle database uh, might not have that same be. privilege. But
3: I don't have um, all the details on it, so we'll fi- figure it out and, and link to it in the in the announcement post um, as well. So we, we make sure that it's correct there anyway.
1: So Chris this might be a good segue into uh one thing that I got poked on um from the DBA group really was uh, uh they're talking about consolidation and um yeah VMware consolidates and you know we get we get we kind of get forced into doing it but we feel yep. like we can do a much better job consolidating on on physical servers and running multiple databases on on one OS and you know I I I at some level, I think that he, he might be right. I mean, it's obviously got to be less, you know, r- resources required to do something like that. But, you know, at what cost, right? Is there some segmentation security issues with that? or I'm,
0: Yeah, I, I'm guessing, I you know, if you're going multi-instance with SQL or if you're going to use something like HP PolyServe, which I believe um i i 've got out of the sequel game for the latest release, but I believe sequel two thousand and ten or two thousand and eleven whichever the very very latest version of sequel um Microsoft bought out PolyServe um so they do this multi instance virtualized instance clustering a lot better um so there is you know a, a better security separation between the uh, the different instances how that needs- that i think well, Polyserve was an HP product, but Microsoft either licensed some of the Polyserve code, or but for the, the very, very, very latest version of SQL, it's it's supposedly in there, which which is great, um, and I think it will, you know, it could mean some big, big SQL consolidation products. But that's just consolidation. There's so many other benefits of virtualization that you'd miss out on. You miss out on, you know, the, the machine level backup style, the fact that you can, you know, you're only having to replicate a few files to be able to replicate your entire server across data centers. Uh, of course, your, your SQL guys might well ar- answer back with, well, they actually want to replicate at the application and database lay- layer. They don't really want to replicate the whole server. Um, but I think there are there are benefits to virtualization you know, beyond base consolidation, although you might want to consolidate at the server level, the server and instance level before you virtualize, perhaps.
1: Right. You know, I'm not sure from a manageability standpoint, you know, from a licensing standpoint, though. um, Either way, you end up licensing, well, with Oracle, you end up licensing the entire, you know, server, right? All the cores. Um, Yeah. I think you have to
0: to license all the the cores in in the whole cluster.
1: Yeah, anywhere it can run, it's like a virus. So anything it touches, it gets, it gets uh, paid out to L- Uncle Larry.
3: Ouch!
0: Ouch! So there's a reason that guy can afford his own country.
3: Right. I think wow. it'd be us for sale. <laughs> I, I don't know if I
1: want this Slightly to be public no- public knowledge, but um, I have a confession to make, and that I was an Oracle certified DBA about oh.
0: six. Eight years ago, so it's missing. It is the first step, right?
2: Now we can start on working on correcting all the damage that's been done. <laughs> yeah, I think it's that's one thing hope, that's made,
1: right? Right. But um, yeah, repent and ye shall be saved. But <laughs> I um, I, I it's only on paper though, so I didn't really work day in day out as a DBA. I got the cert and then. I never got a chance to use it, so oh, that's okay. Yeah.
0: We'll let we'll let you off on that. Um, but does that mean that if if you've got to license every bit of silicon that it touches, that's gonna to got to influence your cluster size? Surely you're going to end up saying, right, I'm going to nominate these four really powerful hosts, and those are going to be my SQL hosts. You know, um, not only from a licensing point of view but potentially from a design point of view in that those VMs are going to be multi CPU possibly 8 way possibly 32 way with the new version of uh ESX out and you're not are you going to be wanting to share those with small web server type CPU uh VMs where you know you want to be you're thinking about the um the consolidation, you know, the the scheduling, and I know the scheduler's got orders of magnitude better than it used to be, but part of me is thinking, let's just keep, you know, keep the really big VMs together in our own little little cluster.
1: I, I'm not a big fan of that. I guess um, it, it seems neat from a, a licensing standpoint. I can save, you know, I can save all this um, this money in licensing. May uh, if I put all my big ones together, I can make beefier servers, but from an overall you know utilization um, perspective you would like to be able to mix light workloads with with your heavy you know to get better bang from your buck right my, my fear with putting all the oracle in one box is you know typically these these things are at the highest i o and if they're banging heads with each other maybe that isn't the best way to go but
2: Mm. Yeah, licensing
1: no, I, savings can be compelling.
0: Yeah, you probably have to pick pick your battle. Is it is licensing saving going to be equivalent to buying a few more um, hosts and DSX licenses? Uh, be be an interesting one to
1: one. One um, way that some customers have sliced that is, um, I think it was a VMWorld session this year. Um, one of my Co-workers pointed me to it, but um, I think Indiana University or, or something along those lines. Um, they were migrating from Unix, so Oracle was running on Unix at the time, and you know they're paying the paying the big Unix uh, tax and and for that pri- pri- proprietary hardware, excuse me. Um, when they moved to uh, virtualization, they made the decision: Hey, we're going to run one eight-way virtual machine. On this uh, ESX server, and it's going to be the only virtual machine on okay, this hardware, sort of right?
0: Okay, one, so one-to-one virtualization, I've, right? Yeah, it's, it's a thing of legends,
1: right? It you, you would think so, right? But um, and it, it just because you buy VMware doesn't mean you have to have the hero numbers of forty to one, you know, consolidation. So it was really refreshing to hear them take take that that look at it mm. and doing something differently because when you compare the cost of that. You know, much much cheaper x86 server hardware. Even when you put VMware software on top of it, it's still probably you know forty percent the cost of a comparable IBM offering, right? That, that's running the the big metal.
2: And you still uh, get the benefit of uh, HA of being able to move the machine around wherever you like. Exactly.
0: Hmm. And with a, even with an eight-way VM were they able to get the performance they were seeking? I, I, I would have thought, you know, potentially, if you've got a big, beefy server, you're going to be wasting half of your CPU cores.
1: Sure. I think in, in their case, and we'd have to, to go back, but a lot of times you see people on five-year-old Unix boxes, right? And and they if they've just made the, the move to x86 and, and VMware, <laughs> yeah. you're comparing against a, a five-year-old Unix box. So
0: True. You should be able to beat that. Although uh, yeah. I'm sure uh, there'll be a Unix admin leaving a shirty comment, Unix is always going to be faster than X86. That's just for PCs. Right. Um, right. And it
1: depends, right? I mean, they they probably had workloads that, that it worked just fine. Um, some places probably don't have that case. They probably have big boy uh, Unix DBs, and there's no way they're going to be fitting on a, a single VM, at least from today's standard.
0: True. It'll it'll be interesting to see what happens when the, the 32-way VMs are... Around as to how many people are using them, and I can see why VMware are doing it. It's it's to be able to get that last one percent of you know your estate virtualized. You know the ones that are going to be a one to one ratio, perhaps that we are going to virtualize this, whatever happens. Um, and then because once you've hit hundred percent virtual, I think that kind of changes the game, um, particularly when it comes to management, because all of these tools that probably Do a great management one, but they don't manage the physical world so well or if you've got a um heterogeneous infrastructure that they're not as great but if or you if had everything on vMware then it's fantastic it, yeah you get a you get to
1: fully have your cake and eat it too um from a disaster recovery standpoint too right um if you can finally get to that one hundred percent you know virtualization for for workloads you're protecting um you'd you no longer have to keep two two backup systems in place, right? You can completely make the switch, you know, sometime in the future here, where you're backing up at the VM level entirely, or through replicated means. So, so yeah, simplifies the infrastructure quite a bit. It'd be it's, rainbows it's and rainbows and unicorns, on. baby.
0: <laughs> I don't know how many people have hit it though. Uh, of a, a size of you know a re- well what VMware would call beyond small business size, so we're talking sure. businesses with over a thousand users. Personally, I'd say a business with a thousand users is not a small business, but thats I think that's just the differences of scale between um, this side of the Atlantic and yours. Um, I think the, the official definition in the UK is to, uh, a small-medium enterprise is defined as up to 250 people, so we, uh, we do things a bit more compact.
3: Yeah, that's the, uh, as I've mentioned before as well, that's the world I come from. So um, we're talking, I think we're uh, including the uh, seafarers on all of the vessels and everything. I think we're about 500 people, but not all of them are IT users. So so we're a comparatively small shop, as I keep mentioning.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: uh, in, t- in terms of, I mean, what would you have to change uh, before you could hit hundred percent virtualization, Christian? Uh,
3: we're getting there. Uh, we're not really that far off, to be honest. Uh, um, with the new uh, new stuff I've ordered now, with the new blades and everything, I, I think we could probably hit about ninety to ninety-five sometime this uh, year. So,
0: Nirvana is it is within reach?
3: Yeah, it is. Then the storage stuff begins. So I have to change my sound next year, probably anyway. So uh, I'll never get there. But uh, but there aren't many workloads that we're running that can't actually run virtualized. We have a couple of specialized uh, management stuff that runs on serial ports and a couple of those things that I haven't bothered with virtualizing because they just they're stuck in a corner doing their stuff with controlling everything from lighting to the ovens and and temperatures in the (laughs) building and whatever, so I don't care that much about it. It, it, It's it's there, it works, and it fails, it fails. uh, No big deal. Uh, Other than that, we're pretty much getting ready to be able to virtualize just about anything.
0: I I think you should have a party when when you hit it.
3: (laughs) I must have. I'll probably need a webcam for it as well, because I'll probably be alone with my host in my server room when that happens, but... I should no, just just let a single balloon go up. Yeah, I should bring a bottle of scotch <laughs> and just sit alone mm-hmm. in my in my data center and drink it all by myself, and then go home. <laughs> wow!
2: Or <pass> out <laughs> there awesome. and then wake up and get fired the next day.
3: Yeah, well, I've, I've done my job then, haven't I? So I <laughs> should probably move on anyway. If I if I ever hit hundred percent, who knows? We'll see what happens. So, yeah. but, but but I might I might actually be able to to get there someday. But uh, in the not too distant f- future, actually, so within the next year or so, I hope.
0: That's that's pretty good. So, I think that's something we'll definitely have to to come back to at a, a later date. As to six months time, how uh, how close have you got? Uh, yeah, since
3: we're since we're doing an, uh, virtualization on all the uh, the vessels now as well. Uh, it's actually pretty pretty close uh, uh, right now as well because we, we of the I mean we have twenty vessels that we're actually migrating to virtualization at the moment. So that's twenty remote offices that are going from zero virtualization to full out virtualization. So,
2: so coming back around, um, we we're kind of talking about cluster sizing earlier and what was preferred. Um, some people say um, long and thin clusters. Some people say really wide clusters. You guys have any um, opinions, like personal opinions? I know it's mainly – it seems like a topic of religion.
0: As, I was going to say, as, as a wise man once said, VMware uh, clusters are a lot like making love to a beautiful woman. Some are long and <laughs> thin, some are short and fat, but they all work. Um, <laughs>
2: Oh. Um, <laughs> was it they're fun to ride just don't tell your your friends about it. That was a different joke.
0: Yeah, they're, they're great great fun to deploy. Just don't blog about it. Um
3: <laughs> I th- I think I know who's going to get the cheese hat now.
0: <laughs> um yeah, cluster size I think for me it's been dictated by available hardware of pre in, in pre- <laughs> previous <laughs> If, 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 <laughs> in previous <laughs> incarnations, we, we've always purchased hosts—you um, know, a, a handful at a time—and we've, we've never gone out and bought 16 hosts in one in one, one go. So we were limited in, pre- in previous generations of BSX by how many hosts could we buy within a given generation of CPU. We were gr- we were fine until they changed the generation of CPU on us; we had to start another cluster. But,
2: like, in a Uh, a perfect world, like, if you could build any cluster. Okay, Okay, so
0: given an infinite number of monkeys with an infinite number of blade chassis, I guess, you know. If you're on blades, you're limited by a number of chassis because of the golden rule of no more than four blades per cluster per chassis. If you've only got two chassis, you can only have an eight-way cluster. Um, if you're willing to spread your uh, blades much wider, then you can go for bigger cluster sizes, but in, at the moment, I, you know, I'm spending quite a bit of time looking at blades, really, from the uh, UCS point of view, and having to impress that upon the people doing the solution design, and they're saying, oh yeah, we can fit eight blades in a cluster, we can have, you know, you could get uh, two chassis, you can have 16-way clusters, and no, you can't, that would be bad. So, Trying to, you know, work within the limits of that. So, if high availability uh, functionality changes, then perhaps you can be changing those figures.
2: Sean, what about you? Fifteen. <clears throat> exactly fifteen.
1: Exactly fifteen. Um, and the thinking here is, um, I, I, th- I think five. When you think about five hosts in a cluster, um. You can, you can have n plus one type uh, redundancy, right? And go up, basically utilize up to 80% of it. So that'd be four. So that if you lose one, you'd be, you know, perfectly 100% utilized. Well, that, that's ideal world. And you maybe don't want to be running at, you know, 100% utilized in the case of a, a host failover. But, um, <clears throat> kind of going along those lines of really skinning it really close to the bone. Um, if you double that, you go to 10. So now 80% would be eight hosts, right? And I'm thinking in in terms of, of five, it's just easy for me to think of, I guess. And if I, if I go to 15, now I can lose three. I can go down to 12 remaining hosts to, to be at eight, 80%. And I feel like that that that, that jives well for how I w- might think about it. I don't want to use an odd number host and get so like- all... At beers, that point,
2: but, your cluster is completely designed with how many VMs you're going to have in it, and you have percentages down and stuff like that. You're, um, no unexpected machine uh, VM ads, stuff like that.
1: No, I, well, I guess I would expect it to be completely dynamical. Um, moving into 15 hosts as, as my base, um, you know, especially as we move forward. I'm working on a cloud project, but um, in – in a In the cloud world you don 't know what you 're going to have when you 're going to have it. It just needs to be fluid and and whatnot. but I feel like fifteen would be a good start for me um, because it's it 's a lot bigger than what I am typically used to um, it, the The biggest that i 've ever recommended in the past has always been somewhere under eight, and a lot of that 's been because of limitations with with storage or the hardware that we had, but most um Mostly because of VMware, right? Um, once you went beyond eight, you had a lot of limitations for the amount of VMs you could, you could have. Per, yeah, you
0: started getting cluster. locking issues. I think the new, the the old SCSI locking became a bit of an issue pre sort of VAAI, I guess.
1: Well, if, and I don't know if you've ever run into this, um, I really wasn't too aware of it till last summer, but once you go beyond eight, um, back with the old 3.5 code, um, you would hit that uh, uh, eight-host mark, and you could have, I think, up to 80 or 90 virtual machines per host. But once you added that ninth host to the cluster, uh, the 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 old limits would drop you down to 40 VMs per cluster, just like that. And I think mm-hmm. it was uh, something with the software that limited, limited you to go beyond that, which was really weird. So let's say you chose four socket CPUs, or four socket uh server, um, form factors, right. With, with very large amounts of memory. Yep. And, and you weren't aware of this limitation, right. You'd be going and having 50, 60 VMs per host maybe in very large cluster. And you're like, well, we'll add a ninth host cause we're growing. And then you'd be in, you'd be in for a surprise right off the bat. Um, I didn't run into this. I just, through the design process and talking with other people in the environment that we were in, I learned about it, but I think that restriction has been lifted as a four, um, either that or four, one lifted restriction. Are you, are you guys familiar with, with that?
0: I've, it rings vague bells back to VC, VCP three days. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, once very, very large clusters didn't perform quite as, as well. Um, I don't think I was personally running anything that big at the time. Right.
1: Well, and I think your LUN limits would be the, the, the biggest inhibitor, right? Um, 255 seems to strike a number. 255 or 256, whatever, right? That's the amount of LUNs you can have per host. Um, And if you get, if you get that cluster too large, it's just natural that you're going to need um, a larger number of of LUNs. And I think in the past we didn't have the the VAAI, um, you know, integration with the arrays and whatnot to relieve the SCSI locking. Now that that's in play and we can we can we can go up to two terabyte data stores. We can basically have unlimited virtual machines on that data store um, because of the the technology, the software, in the sand. Feels like we could we could maybe go beyond fifteen, you know. But I don't know how far.
2: Something that could still be a small limiter, though, is the array, right? If you have a smaller array, you could still have the amount of connections if you're using some kind of crazy multipathing.
0: They um, you can hit pathing limits. You've got to be really careful on how you um, in the fiber channel world. Certainly, you've got to be careful on how you zone.
2: Fiber channel. I've also seen it in iSCSI If you have too many uh, too many connections, it starts dropping connections. And no warning. Won't mention the vendor. I saw that on. But...
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, it, and those are hardware limits, right? With yeah. With the uh, the storage.
2: Yeah, actual array limits.
1: That's interesting. Oh. But uh, it by
2: Pathing Sounds alone,
1: huh? That they they can only handle so many connections or paths to the same. Yeah, like say fun?
2: for an example, like a thousand twenty-four, and say you're doing some crazy multi-pathing, and you have maybe ten, fifteen uh, hosts. You could start. You could start. All the, well, generally, you'll start seeing some performance issues first, and then until you start digging into your array and realizing that you're limiting it out.
1: That is interesting. Uh, so storage may be the the limiting
3: factor for this large cluster experiment.
2: Yeah, also could be depending on the storage. I mean
3: probably it right. just depends on how much money you throw at it though. Yeah. Usually, usually is in that kind of kind of environment.
2: Right. It's not a
1: problem if money can solve it, Christian.
3: Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. <laughs> I've got 99 problems on right. yeah on okay. <laughs> the one no
1: um I, I had tossed around so th- we're, we're probably talking in, in general purpose cluster terms I think but um I have thought of some use cases where a 32 host um, uh, cluster would maybe be something that would be interesting I, earlier we talked about dedicating hosts to uh, single Vms right yep well they probably don't have large storage needs i guess well they probably do right but they're not going to need a lot of volumes since they're just single vms no, um
2: probably a ton of rdms in, in a situation right. like that
1: right so you might have a ton of rdms which i think still count against your your lun limit but um yeah you, you okay. could maybe have a 32 host host group at that point right and and having one vm per host and, and keep a couple of them a couple hosts free for uh HA purpose,
3: but that might be the only...
0: Yeah, that sounds sounds like a, a pretty good use case for it, I think.
3: I don't think we, it would. We actually, uh, we actually run uh, a single host uh, with a single VM on it, uh, which is uh, our main uh, Domino Lotus Domino um, infrastructure server. Uh, that that, <laughs> that that performed pretty poorly in the uh, in the main cluster. So we actually got out and got some some dedicated hardware for that. And uh, right now it's just tugging along at like eight percent CPU usage and does nothing because it turned out to be a, a, a Lotus Domino uh, database that was the problem, uh, not actually the storage array or or uh, locking issues within it. So. So you got blamed within. first. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm—I was kind of the guy blaming the storage for it anyway, so that's fine. Um, Ouch. <laughs> but uh, but that we had no idea uh, that the uh, the actual database was performing that bad, and we we didn't have any. Uh, particular expertise on that kind of issue internally at that point. We do have, have that now, so we've, we've been able to upgrade and fix a lot of the the issues we have. So when I get my new hosts in uh, that I have ordered, we'll be moving that database or that Lotus Domino server back in again because there's no need to run it on a dedicated host anymore.
0: Excellent. Um, what do you think... Um... These Fair five will, will hold for the uh, the cluster size debate. Do you think it's going to change that dynamic? At all?
1: So I'm not as very uh, versed on how much has been leaked exactly out into the blogger community that we can talk about. Um, so I don't want to lead that one. in, uh, okay, in case, I, I, okay. in case something, some okay, something NDA
2: pops out. <laughs> wow, yes. you're a very safe guy, Sean. <laughs> Safety first.
0: <laughs> B-, B Soup is fairly NDA friendly, so um, no, that, that's that's completely understandable. There was some stuff they men- mentioned on uh, bits from Pex, I think, but I, oh, yeah. I didn't I didn't notice anything specific around the clusters. Um, you know, bits around the size of virtual machines, but I, I didn't see see any. Uh, I'll try and have a quick trawl through. Um before we get the show notes out. And if I do find something that's specifically different, I will mention it.
3: Yeah, I don't know for dot for v.next or dot five or whatever it's called. I, I was in the beta for for dot one, but I'm not in the beta for the next version, so I I don't know what I'm not supposed to be talking about, so
2: <laughs> I'm I'm just worried about the next run of um of certifications that I have to take.
0: <laughs> well, if you think the four has <laughs> been out for a couple of years, and they've only just launched the VCDX four for it, I I wouldn't worry too much. Um, you'll have plen- plenty of time to to redo any certs. Yeah. Um, the the VCP
1: I, I don't know. Are you guys all certified? I am. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. I, cr- yeah. I think I think a uh, question uh, is, or oh, Chris, Christian keeps on talking about it. Um, <laughs> keep I, I'm just a cert whore, really. So, <laughs>
1: <laughs> so it's the one cert whore that I, it it kind of pays to keep, I guess. Right now is that, um, boy. If you miss if you miss uh, your upgrade on that that certification, you're going back to class for a couple thousand
0: dollars a pop. You know. Yeah. That's, well, I I did I did the what's new one. Um, actually, I did it before. Um, even, I could take my VCP without doing it. But uh, I think work was paying for it, and it was quite cheap because it was only a two-day course or something, so it was only about a thousand dollars, was against uh, the full three thousand-dollar
3: uh, yeah, load. Yeah, I, I did the same thing basically. So, uh, but I haven't done the the actual exam for VCP4 yet. So. Okay.
1: I keep uh, renewing it right at the nick of time before they they phase you out and require you to go back to class. So I'm hopeful to do that again on the VCE five.
0: Yeah, no, it'll be. Uh, I'm quite looking forward to uh, the release. I'm guessing it's going to be released for uh, sort of around VMworld time or, or thereabouts. I don't think anything official's been said yet.
1: I think this summer is the the expected date. So
3: yeah. Oh yeah, Well, we saw what happened with the uh, the actual iPad application go for release. so it took took some time.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I forgot about that. It was just released today. If
3: yeah. yeah. it was it'll be a what was?
2: a different time once we uh, once we release this podcast. So.
1: Yeah. What was released?
2: The Vsphere um, application uh, for iPad? Yeah. Oh,
3: yeah.
2: Vsphere client?
3: Yeah, it, it it was kind of funny. It, it, it's not that useful to be honest right now, but it, but it, it's it's a, it's a it's a fun little experiment of actually trying to find a use case for an iPad. <laughs> Which is the, uh, this is actually the uh, the closest I've been so far of an actual business use case in my company for an iPad. And what it does, it basically gives you the possibility to start and stop some VMs and get some basic uh, system information out of it, like performance, memory, CPU. Uh, but you don't get to drill down into any particular performance issues or get to look at, the storage latency stuff and all of that kind of thing—it's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's all of those things. It's, it's more like a, a high-end overview with some fancy graphics on it. So, it—it it, oh, it looks- sounds like um, there was
0: a, an application produced a while ago uh, called um, Kodiak, where that, some guys had done some really clever stuff on um, Adobe Air. And right. um, so, I'm guessing that was sort of proper cross. Uh, cross-platform type stuff, and it looked very pretty, and you could start and stop VMs, and you could connect to a remote console, and I think you might have been able to see a performance graph or two from it. And it dynamically had all your console screens floating around in a cluster and things. (laughs) But it was essentially a work in progress. I think they they ran out of money or gave up, made it open source. Uh, So I think it's still
3: a wrap. Yeah, well, I haven't seen that, but I tried the the iPad app today. My, I, I think my my uh, initial reaction is that that would look pretty cool on the wall, on the RT department's wall, or besides the call center or something. It, it'll give you it was a kind of an overview. You, you should really have it on a big plasma screen, uh, like we talked about with the uh, vCenter operations. But you could basically have that on your desk and you can just have a look at it and see that everything's working okay but it's uh I, th- I think VMware said that like a digital
0: photo frame of your virtualized family
3: yeah Your are only true friends but you can you can stroke them <laughs> yeah and they smile at you <laughs> well, that's the, well that's what the iPad is for isn't it warm fuzzy feeling is optional yeah,
2: yeah. iPad's for stroking stuff it is, as
3: the Register
0: co- says, they call them the fondle slab, so, <laughs> so I still think it's the be- best nickname for an iPad.
2: Well, with that in mind, let's wrap up for this week. I uh, want to thank uh, Sean Clark for coming, the, the king of the sweater vest.
1: Thank you. It's it's nice to get rid of that Principella moniker and, yeah, and, now and move, you're the move king,
2: on. The king of the sweater vest, which doesn't rhyme or sound cool, but no, you know, it's not all right. at all. Um, (laughs) Check us out on uh, iTunes and be sure to tune in at uh, vsoup.net for updates.